He is risen. Good morning, everyone, and happy Easter. My name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I can't tell you how pleased I am for all of us to be gathered um, praising the Lord on this day. Um, It's been already uh, extraordinary for me. About 47 days ago on Ash Wednesday, which uh, is the day when we begin the period of sort of Easter waiting. That's what Lent is, if you didn't know that. Um, Lent is this period where we wait to celebrate this particular day. And in fact, you may have noticed that a number of our songs say have hallelujah or hallelujah in them. And we've tried really hard as a tradition of the church that we don't sing that word even during this season of waiting. So that's why there's so much hallelujah um, on this particular day. 47 days ago on Ash Wednesday, uh, we in our sanctuary back at our uh, regular place of worship, our other place, I guess, um, we had these barrels and these pots set up with soil. And, and as part of this prayer practice, we um, grabbed uh, handfuls of seeds and threw them, saying we just want um, the Word of God to sort of be scattered out into the world. And um, this is what has happened to them 47 days later. Some of you in the back and above can maybe see even the patch of grass that's here um, on the bottom of this. And it's been a really uh, fun thing. Elsewhere in that same uh, room during that prayer practice, we also were invited to grab a bunch of seeds and to take them home and maybe plant them or roast them or, I don't know, something. And today's text, it's really worth thinking about. Jesus says, if you really want to understand me, what you need to know is I'm here to go from this, this tiny little seed, to that. From something that apparently has no life to something that has the, the possibility of abundant life. I must go from uh, seed to plant. He says that a seed must die. And, and actually, it's probably worth thinking about because when we think of the word death, when we think about our own death, oftentimes we actually think about oblivion. We think about the end. They think about there being nothing else at all on the other side. But, but actually, that's not actually what happens to a seed. It doesn't just sort of disappear. When a seed is planted into the ground and that seed dies, the, the husk, sort of the shell, is broken. It peels away and splits open, and the seed transforms. A buried seed passes into something that's more primary, more important. We discover its actual core reality. And Jesus says, that's what I must do. And this tiny little passage that we had in this video, what we actually have is the, the autobiography of Jesus in just two lines. In fact, not just um, God's or Jesus' autobiography, we also have our biography. Let's pray, shall we? And we'll dig into these two uh, short little passages. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here together this morning. And for those who watched the uh, weather apps over this last week, Lord, we thank you that the rain won't come until this afternoon. 
that we can enjoy, enjoy the beauties of this day and be reminded of your resurrection even as we feel the warmth of the sun and has seen it rise this morning. We pray, Lord, that as we come to this moment, that you would do something in our hearts today. It is easy to come to these moments and, and let all the pageantry sort of pass us right by. Lord, it can be so easy for these moments to just become another little cliched moment for us and nothing happens. Will you let something happen today? Would you let the seed of your word be planted deep in our hearts? Would it grow? May my words and our meditations be truly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so first, the autobiography of Jesus in just these few short lines. And actually, the story of Jesus actually begins with humanity. And it begins with humanity in a way that's not always very comfortable and fun for anyone, but maybe ironically, especially for preachers to talk about. It begins with God's honest assessment of humanity. That's where the story of Jesus begins. And if you didn't know, I'm going to tell you, humanity is a mess. We can mask it, ignore it, we can fight it, but it's very hard to deny it. Just look at the last week's worth of news just over this last five or six days. The, the Mueller report came out. It's a fire caused by a human error at Notre Dame. We commemorated the 20th year of the Columbine High School massacre. Hundreds died in bombs in churches in Sri Lanka today. School was closed on Wednesday. And then for many of us, myself included, I confess, there was more relief then heartbreak when we find out that that young woman had killed herself. How did we fail her so bad? See, humanity is a mess. The Bible has a word for all that's happening out there and what's happening in here and what's happening in you, and that word is sin. Can I talk about that word for a few minutes with you before we go any further? I think sin has kind of actually gotten a bad rap. <laughs> See, here's the thing about sin. I, oftentimes, we, we end up sort of taking and we allow others to give us this really childish view of what sin is. And in this childish view, this undeveloped view of what sin is, what, what sin is, it's really just sort of a set of rules that we have to follow so we don't make an angry God even angrier. Do you hold a vision of that for, for what God thinks about humanity? That the problem of sin is really just following the rules so we don't make an angry God even angrier about us. Do you recognize that caricature? Do you sometimes think that same thing? 
When someone talks about sin, do you sort of think that's an old-fashioned notion? What if something, what if sin is something that's more fundamental than that? What if it's a way of saying that no matter how hard we try, humanity is a mess? What if what sin actually is, is is all of the work and effort and selfishness that sort of gets enacted out on everybody else? What if actually sin isn't something that, um, you know, an angry God wants to keep us from just so he doesn't get angrier, but what if sin is actually this thing he wants us to escape from? What if sin is this thing that he wants freedom from for us? One of the most common words for the um, for sin in the New Testament is hamartia, which means missing the mark. What if sin is missing the mark, missing out, missing life? What if sin is more than just a list, but it's spiritual separation? What if sin is killing us? What if it means real death? Not just physically, but spiritually. The gospel begins with God's assessment of us. And his assessment is we're a mess. And we carry with us the weight of sin and we cannot escape it. So what will God do? Will God be angry from on high? Today's passage, John 12, verse 23. Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man himself to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And you might have, it's pretty easy to miss because there's a lot going on there. But this, this is the whole story of Jesus in, in just a couple of passages. Now is the time. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. And that word glorified is also the word that we use for exalted, which in the Greek is the exact same word they also use for lifted up. Now is the time when the Son of Man will be lifted up. Lifted up on a cross, receiving the unjust punishment for sins he did not do. And then they took him off of that cross, and he was dead. And they buried him in the ground. Do you know what happened? Who he really is came to the surface. Christ did not, um, was not shackled by death. Death could not hold him. It did not constrain him. Instead, he rose again. That's this today's celebration. He was the first among now many to conquer death because of his work on our behalf. Jesus has paved the way in his death. He's he's been sown into sin and raised to life that we might now have life in him because of him, because of his work. Jesus takes on the sin of the world 
this mess and its consequences no longer ours to hold. He defeats it. One man dies. The fruit of that is many. One man conquers death. The rest of us receive the gift of life. Friends, this is the story of God's radical and exponential inclusion. We are now included in that. We are, we're part of that. We're part of the exponential story of one person, Jesus Christ, and then 12 believed, and then 150 believed, and then 3,000 believed, and, and now they, I think, maybe 2.2 billion believe. Christ is sown into the ground and cannot hold him. And his life will bear much fruit. And you're included in it. You're included in it. Do you know how good it feels really to be included? Do you know how good it feels? Uh, I've learned sort of an interesting thing this, uh, this year that helps me understand this in kind of a, a weird way. So nine months ago, uh, some of you know, maybe even many of you know, a scooter became my primary mode of transportation throughout the school year. And some of you um, have even seen me and taken some pictures. <laughs> so if you ever see me on the scooter, feel free, take a, take a quick little snapshot, take a picture. We'll just play Where's Waldo? You say, got me. Um, I've loved it. It's been really great. Uh, but I got this on Tuesday. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was going 44 miles an hour in a 30. And no matter how hard I try, I just want to tell you, my scooter is never going to be a motorcycle. <laughs> Even though I'm dying for it to be a motorcycle. I'm... I dream about more power. (laughs) And maybe you notice this or haven't noticed this about motorcyclists. Maybe you have a motorcycle and you're, you're part of this. There's a really fun fraternity of motorcyclists. Have you ever noticed they're driving on the freeway or on the roadway, they pass one another. (laughs) And just keep on going. Have you ever seen this? I go, can I tell you something? I never get this. (laughs) Never. But every now and then, I'm driving along and quite by surprise, I'll see this motorcycle coming the other way and he'll give me the sign. I'm like, yeah. I'm in. My, me and my little 150cc scooter. No, I'm not kidding. I feel this little bubble of joy. And friends, what I want you to know, that the joy of inclusion in God's kingdom is a trillion times bigger than that. And he's not waiting for us to get the bigger, better life. It's not waiting for us to go from 150 to 650 cc's, although I am. God is not. 
The story of this moment as Jesus is telling the autobiography of his own life simply is this. I have come, and I've come actually um, to die, to be planted in the soil after I've shown you how to live. And, and I'm going to bear fruit, and I'm going to bear fruit that's going to be exponential. I'm going to include so many people in my plan. This is what's going to happen. But then he goes on to say, and he actually sort of makes another sort of assessment, that that for us to truly, deeply, really have this life, there's something that needs to sort of be repeated and mirrored in our own life. This this principle of Jesus's is also our biography. His autobiography has the possibility of becoming our story. We also need to die a certain kind of death. We have to set aside the husk. If we're going to have real deep spiritual life, something else needs to die. Now, we can craft a life, a really awesome earthly life, but never actually live. Can I ask you the kind of a question that we should maybe all be asking one another, but usually only a pastor does? How are things with your soul? Not how are you doing or what's happening. How are things with your soul? I mean, this is bolder. So I assume for the most part, the outward signs of life are probably pretty mostly great. Right? By any global standard, we live amongst the wealthiest little plots of land anywhere. Boulderites are mostly fit and able and willing to get more fit. We are a highly educated group. There are few zip codes in all of this country or in the world that have a higher level of education or more PhDs. I pro- if I just like start throwing golf balls, I'd hit like 12 of you. Because we have the time and the space and the resources, we're pretty focused on improvement. We take the class. We hire the coach. We subscribe to the surface, this um, service. We apply f- for the opportunity. We, we read the advice and we do it. And can I just tell you, that's, that's good. But can I go deeper for just a minute? How are things with your soul? How are things with the only thing you will be able to carry with you to the other side? For all of our work and effort and acquisition, how are things with the only thing that you have that will last for an eternity? What happens, friends, with this seed of life that you've been given? Are you clutching it? Are you holding on to it? 
I just ask you, what happens to a seed if you never plant it? What happens to your life if you never plant it in Christ? Jesus says it's the same thing. It says it in this way in, a, in verse 25. He says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will, will keep it for eternal life. We should talk about that hate word for just a second. Essentially what he's saying is anyone who so grasps this life, anyone who doesn't know how to love the spiritual life more, is going to lose them both. If you hold on to the seed and you never plant it in the ground of Jesus Christ, you're never going to become who you were meant to become. To have the full life that we were made for, friends, you have to decide that his spiritual life is, is more important than anything else you're doing. You have to decide that it's worth sort of planting into the soil of Jesus Christ and saying, I want your story of abundance to also be my story of abundance. I want you to so deeply take care and nourish and, and water the seed of my life, Jesus, that I, I also will be fruitful See, oftentimes we think of this giving our lives to Christ, to dying to ourselves, and, and we think of it as defeat. But can I tell you something, friends? Dying to yourself in this way, choosing death in this way is not defeat. It's the precondition for new life. Like planting a seed, the only way it becomes what it's supposed to be is if it gets planted and dies. So are you ready? Are you ready to let it die that you might have greater and new life? The autobiography of Jesus is meant to be our biography. He dies, he conquers death, and, and he's risen, and now we get to be part of that great strain of life and train of life. Are you ready to accept this gift of Christ and be planted in the soil of salvation? Or are you simply clutching? Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here together today. And we confess as we take a few moments in silent reflection and thought that even those of us who have followed Christ for a long time, there's much that we clutch. There's much that we have not given over to him. Lord, would you help us to say yes to this story of Jesus today? Would his story of glory become our story of hope? Unclench our fingers, God.
that we might have new and eternal life in you. We thank you for your exponential gift to us. And all God's people said,